Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we are all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Come on, somebody give Jesus a really big shout today. Come on, we praise you, Lord. Come on, are you blessed? Oh, come on, look at the person next to you. Tell them, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. I'm happy to be with you all today. It's good to be at Center Point. It's always a blessing to be here. God's always doing amazing things. I love the presence of God just rushed right in there during that worship time. Did you guys feel that? God just whoosh. And then the dad jokes came. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing. I'm, ah, I'm playing. It was really fun. All right. Uh, dig out myself out the hole. Anyway, I'm just happy to be here. I came out, like Pastor John just said, with a new book. By the way, how many of you guys are grateful for your pastors and your leaders here at Center Point Church? Come on, let's give a clap and just honor them. It's God, God's doing amazing things here. And so I have a book uh, named Fierce Peace and actually got a video. So let's go ahead and let's, let's roll that. In August of 2020, I had an encounter with the Prince of Peace. In a vision, he came to me dressed in armor and with a sword drawn. And he spoke to me saying, don't ever call my peace passive. Then as I rested, he turned around and stood guard over me. I realized that I had experienced Philippians 4, 7, that the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I believe in this hour that the Prince of Peace wants to stand guard over your heart and mind in order to prevent from the hostile invasions of fear and anxiety. I wrote this book because I want to help people experience the fierce peace of God. And if you've ever battled fear and anxiety and you want to experience the peace of God, then this book is for you. It's time to start living in a peace that's stronger than the storm. Come on. Fierce peace. And actually, Pastor John wrote an endorsement for the book. Can we, can we put that up there? He said, and there's a, actually there's like a few paragraphs in here, but I just put a, a little sentence here. It says, if you are struggling with the way the chaos in the world has affected you, go on the journey back to peace with this book. And I just believe, how many of y'all know the last two, we, two years of America have been, and I don't say America in the world, have been some of the craziest times that you all have ever experienced. It's kind of like there was a life before 2020, and then now there's this life. It's just crazy, chaotic, political chaos, sickness, disease. And more than anything, there's been fear and anxiety that have attacked people like nobody's business in these last two years. How many would agree with what I'm saying there? And I just feel like... God gave me this encounter five months into the pandemic as I was just in a time of prayer, and he wanted to, to not only give that to me as, a, as an encounter to know about God's fierce peace, but he also wanted to release this message to the world to say, listen, the, the Bible said that the peace of God that surpasses understanding wants to guard your heart and mind. In other words, Jesus wants to stand over your heart and over your mind to prevent from the hostile invasions of fear and anxiety. Come on, Jesus doesn't want all that stuff to torment you. Isn't that good news? Jesus doesn't want us to be tormented by fear and anxiety. And the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus, came in order to give us peace so that no matter what circumstance we go through, we can walk in peace. Jesus said it like this in John 16, He said, I told you these things so that in me you would have peace. And then he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Come on, that's not like the part of the Bible verse that we're like making t-shirts out of, putting it on our refrigerator and showing everyone on Instagram. <laughs> Like, what are you believing for, brother? I'm believing for the trouble. 
that Jesus promised me in John 16, <laughs> We'll pray for you if that's you. You know what I'm saying? Trouble's just going to be there. But if you're believing for trouble, Lord, have mercy. Because <laughs> that's the thing. No one's believing for trouble because trouble's already there. But Jesus said that you could have peace even while trouble abounds. No matter what pressures of life, no matter what anxieties, no matter what trouble, fear, whatever, you name it, no matter what is going on in the world, you can have peace. Somebody say amen right there. And so that's what this book is about. This book's going to help you enter into that peace, give you some teaching, and, and really some practical applications all throughout the book and some revelation from the Word that I believe is really going to help equip people to break that fear and to walk right into peace no matter what circumstances are going on in your life. So I want to, I want to give this to somebody as a, as a gift today, but if, just, would you just be honest with me for a second? And would you say, like, if that's you and you're dealing with maybe fear and anxiety in this season in your life and you want the peace of God, would you just wait? at me because I need to know who I need to hook this book up with. <laughs> right right there in the white shirt. Can you just stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come up here real quick. Give her a hand. Come on. I'm going to come down here real quick. Tell me what's your name. Amy. Amy. Give me your hand, Amy. Lord, we thank you for Amy. And God, thank you. Wow. Thank you, God, that it's, I feel like Isaiah 26.3, God says that he is it says that perfect peace, God will keep us in perfect peace, the one whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. And, and, and that's not gender sensitive, obviously. But I just feel like in this season, God is going to actually, you know, let me just say this as a prerequisite, okay? Sometimes Jesus will still the storm. Sometimes Jesus will walk with us through the storm. And I feel like God is saying to you in this season that he's about to calm the storms that are all around you. I see peace coming on every single side of you. I feel like there has been some broken relationships, some tensions, even with work and different situations that have come, and it feels like they've come on every side. But I feel like the Lord's saying to you today that God is going to release peace on every single side of you. God is going to begin to calm some storms in your life. And so, Lord, I just join my voice with the voice of Jesus. Like you spoke to that storm in that boat. God, you said, peace, be still. I speak over the storms in her life, and I command them to be still in the name of Jesus. Wow. I don't know. Let me, tell me if this makes sense to you. If there's like, I feel like sometimes there's like, um, like, a, like circulation issues and stuff that go on, like, and, and some type of imbalance in that. Does that make sense to you? Like there's like circulation issues going on in your blood and things like that? Yeah, give me your hand again one more time. Remember, she didn't tell me that. I told her that. <laughs> so that means God is telling her that, and God wants to heal her. I'm going to give you a little insight on what's happening here. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we speak to her blood. We speak to the circulation, and I command you be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, you're going to start to feel like this warmth come, from, come out of my hand, and it's going to go into your arm right there. You feel that? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? That's the Holy Spirit, and he's just going in your body. That's, when, when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, he said, I felt virtue come out of me. That's what she's feeling right now. Virtue's coming out of me because the Holy Spirit's in me, and it's going into her body and, and putting everything right. Woo, receive that right there. And Father, I cancel every assignment of hell against her life, and I declare that she will live, she will not die, and she will proclaim the works of the Lord and do it with a whole lot of energy. In Jesus' name. Amen. You receive that? Come on. That's really good right there. That's the power of God moving. I'm excited. Just, just last service, 
uh, just out in the, the, the table. I have a, if you want to get the book, you can go either go on Amazon or uh, there was a, a QR code or whatever. You can go to my website or we have a table out there with a bunch of those books. And, and if you need the peace of God, get the book. Or if your family members need it, get the book, hook them up. But it, we were praying for some people out there just last service. God was ministering and God was touching people. It was so powerful. But you know what was awesome? This guy comes up, he said, in his left ear, he had gotten a fight when, it, when he was like in his 20s and lost, and he had a concussion and lost hearing in his left ear. Guess what happened last service? Jesus opened up his ear and he can hear again right there. It happened right out there in the lobby. Somebody should shout for Jesus right there. That's awesome. That is really awesome. God's in the miracle working business. Come on. I want to just acknowledge my dad is here, right here. Just wave everybody. This is my dad. Come on. I like to say if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, that's my dad. And also my, my parents-in-law are here, Ross and, 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 and Gerilyn. Come on, just wave. Hello. And of course, last but not least, because come on, somebody. She's number one. My wife, Rochelle, is right here too. Make sure you guys just bless them today. But I want to get into the word, and I believe God has a word for you today. I want to talk about a man of God named Samson. You guys have been in the Legends series, started last week, and I want to talk about Samson. Everyone say Samson. Samson. Like with a little bit of edge to it, Samson. <laughs> that sounded good in this section. I don't know who that was, but that felt good. I want to talk to you about Samson today, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you're moving all over this place. And Father, I thank you for your presence and your power. And God, just the same way you did amazing works through Samson, I thank you that you want to do amazing works through your people here today and even those watching online. Father, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us revelation from your word? And would you equip us and empower us to live like Jesus and to represent him everywhere we go in Jesus' mighty name? If you agree, shout amen. Now, this, now, Samson's story is from the book of Judges, and it's in chapters 13 through 16. We'll get there in a second, but I want to show you this verse from Daniel 11.32. Check this out. Daniel 11.32, he says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's read that again. Let's do it all together. Ready? One, two, three. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And man, I believe there's none other in the scripture other than the Lord Jesus himself that lived this life out. He literally had supernatural strength. How many of you are familiar with the story of Samson? When the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, he had supernatural strength and he literally carried out great exploits. He did some amazing things. And we're gonna look at that. But I believe here today that, that God wants to strengthen you with his spirit so you can do some supernatural things as well. I believe God has called us to live in a, in a powerful Christianity because a powerless Christianity is not a Christianity at all. God, God, God wants to show his power and his love in and through his church. And so, I, you know, I was, I was on a trip last month in Malawi, Africa, and my friends were there. And uh, my friend Jeremy and Miranda, friends Jeremy, Miranda Nelson, they were leading in these massive crusades where 50,000 people were filling the soccer field, and I'm telling you, we saw thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, thousands of people get healed of sickness and disease, and thousands of people get delivered to demons. I'm telling you, it was kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It was powerful. 
So in the evening services, we would do uh, crusade ministry, and then during the week, we would go and preach the gospel on the streets of Malawi. We would go and feed the hungry. There's a ministry that we partner with that feeds the orphans. There's about 100 and something kids who live on the streets, and they don't have a home, and and so we feed them. My friend feeds them every single day, and we went there, and right outside of that area, we were ministering, and I saw this or I heard this music bumping out of this little hut thing. So I walked over. I'm like, I like music. Let me see what's going on in there. And so I go in there, and there's a, it's actually a barber shop. And so I start talking to the guy, and it ends up he is, he's a Muslim guy, a younger guy. And I said, hey, man, we're preaching the gospel. Jesus loves you, and he wants to forgive your sins. And he says, oh, I'm a Muslim. And I said, cool, Jesus loves you, and he wants to forgive your sins. Like, I sidestepped every single, he tried to start arguing me about the divinity of Jesus, because there's an argument, if he's the son, how can be God, and God is the father, the whole trinity. I said, hey, that's cool, man, Jesus loves you, and he wants to forgive your sins. I sidestepped it every single time, because at the end of the day, I don't want to just argue with people, I want to demonstrate the power and love of Jesus. And so we're talking to him, I said, hey, man, can you heal the sick? You know, can you do that? And he said, he said, no, we don't, no, we don't, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> and he said, and I was like, he basically said, no, I can't do that. And, and exhibit A walked up right, right next. This guy walks up into our conversation. I look at him and, and I could see there was pain in his body. I said, you got pain in your body? And he had pain in his knees. He had pain in his back. And I said, watch this. I tapped his knees, bam, bam. I tapped his back. I said, be healed in Jesus' name. I said, try it out. And he moved around like this. I was like, is the pain gone? He said, yes, the pain is gone, brother. And I was like, hallelujah. God healed him right on the spot. I looked at the Muslim guy and I said, can you do that? Because <laughs> you got an argument, but do you have power? A man with an argument is always at the mercy of someone with power. You can argue me all day long, but when you pray, does something actually happen? Does God show up when you pray? Or do you just pray a whole lot hoping something's going to happen? It was like the showdown with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It was gnarly. And then I asked him, I, you know, I said, can you do that, bro? And he said, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. I'm like, get out of here, fool. You just said you couldn't do it. Now you change your mind because I just did it. Get out of here. I loved him. I promise you, I was loving. I was joking, having fun with him. He walked away feeling loved and probably stumped too. But <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying we're called to walk in a powerful Christianity. If all you have is an argument, you don't have much to stand on because there's always going to be someone smarter than you. You know where they are? I know where they are. They're in the comment section on Facebook. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's where they are. <laughs> There's always going to, if all you have is an argument and you don't have an encounter, you have nothing to stand on. I've, I've followed Jesus with my entire life. No turning back. Why? Because I got an argument and someone convinced me? Not even close because Jesus himself made himself real to me. His presence flooded my life and I wept like a baby at the mercy of God that loves someone like me. I give, when I said yes to Jesus, I said no to everybody else. The same way when I said yes to my wife, I said no to every other female on the planet. Come on, somebody. Come on, husbands. Come on, dads. Why, why is that important? Because, man, I'm not living my life for a, for a dead religion. 
Come on, man, let me get a little offensive for a second. All of those other dudes and every other leader and every other religion, they're still dead and rotting in the grave. But we serve a Jesus who got up on the third day, resurrected and conquered death, hell, sin in the grave, slapped the devil, took the keys of death back, and he's reigning, sitting on his throne, ruling. And we're going to preach the gospel until he comes back and rescues us all. Come on, somebody. Woo! We got power. I got the power. We got a God who's real and manifests himself. I didn't know what's going on in her life, but Jesus did. I didn't know what was going on. I can't put my hand on that guy's deaf ear and see healing come. But when Jesus starts living in your life and living through your life, miracles start to break out. Ah. Come on, man. I wouldn't give my life. I was in Pakistan 2019. We were in Afghanistan refugee camp preaching the gospel, and they didn't really like it because it's 96% Muslim. And these dudes were kicked out of Afghanistan, not because they were refugees, because something bad was happening, because they were the bad guys. They got kicked out of their country because they were terrorists. They had weapons and guns and drugs, and they got kicked out. We went to their camp, fed them the food, fed, fed their bellies, and then preached the gospel to them. And some of them got saved. Deaf ears were opening up in the camp. But guess what? At the end, the leaders got mad, called us the devil, and picked up stones and wanted to kill us. <laughs> And you know what? I gladly go back there again. Obviously, I'm alive. I made it through. Hello, I'm right here. (laughs) We got back on the bus, and they said, hey. They said, hey, man, you guys are the most brave. And this was was groundbreaking. I said, really? They're like, yeah, they all wanted to kill you. Good thing you got out of there quick. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh. But you want to know what happened? When the pandemic broke out a few months later, nobody was helping them. They didn't have any food. They didn't have any help. Guess who they reached out to? The Christian people who love them by feeding their bellies and preaching the good news of Jesus to them. And an entire community who were Muslim and hostile towards the gospel said yes to Jesus because somebody loved them in a practical and a supernatural way. Ah, I'll give my life for this gospel because Jesus is real. We got to get to the message. This is the message. We're talking about Samson, and I'm telling you, the reason why I want to talk about Samson is because he did some feats of strength. And I believe each one of us are called to be strong and to do feats of strength just like him. I want to look at a summary of some of the things he did. Like I said, his story is found in Judges 13 through 16, and I'm going to give you an overview of what he did. Number one, it's his feats on the outside, a lot of power demonstration on the outside. Samson one day was walking down the road, and a lion came against him. Now, I don't know about you, but your boy up here will be like, oh, cool. Ah! <laughs> There's a lion. But he ran up to the lion, grabbed it, and literally ripped the lion in half And the supernatural strength of God. The dude's bad. And then later on, the Philistines came against him, and he defeated 30 dudes in one moment. 30 dudes coming against one. He defeated them. Later on, he caught 300 foxes. I don't know how you do that. He caught 300 foxes tied their tails together, lit them on fire, and then sent them into the enemy's harvest field and destroyed all their crops. That's pretty intense. (laughs) I don't know how you do any of that stuff unless the Holy Spirit's on you. Later on, the Bible said he came against, this is the Philistines, the arch enemy of God. He came against the Philistines and he defeated a thousand of them, not with a sword, not with a spear, but with the jawbone of a donkey. Come on, he just scooped it up off the ground and said, come at me, bro. And he he knocked them all out and just a thousand people got knocked out. The dude's bad. Now, I'm not super proud of this, but the other day I watched the new Rambo movie. 
Last Blood. Now, you don't have to wave at me and tell me that you did, but some of the guys in the room saw it, you know what I'm saying? And you all know the Rambo move, Ram, Rambo's bad, but he ain't got nothing on Samson. <laughs> a thousand people getting slaughtered with a jawbone of a donkey. Now, listen, now pause because I might be sounding a little violent right now uh, with killing thousands of people with the jawbone, you know, all this kind of stuff. Later on, I, I, we'll tell this story, but when I, when, what I'm talking about here today is not killing people, hello, but it's destroying the works of darkness and releasing heaven on earth. That's what we do. So you got to get the correlation here. But later on, I love this about Samson. Later on, you know, he fell with Delilah. There's a whole story. We'll get to it later. But the Bible said that he, that, you know, they gouged his eyes out. It's gruesome. And this whole thing happened. But he goes back and they bring him into the temple. And he says, God, strengthen me one more time. And he, and he, and he's, puts his hands on the pillars of the temple and pushes it down. And the Bible said that he killed more Philistines in his death than his entire life. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus did at the cross. Because look what kind of uh, figure his body is in when he's pushing down those pillars. And just like Jesus conquered all of our enemies, Samson did that. Samson foreshadowed what Jesus would do. He killed more enemies in his death than in his life. These are the feats of strength that I'm talking about. I shared a little bit already of what God's been doing. I, I, I've been seeing God do some amazing stuff in this, in this last year. We, we started the year with a 21-day Daniel fast. And, man, I'm telling you, God began to show up in supernatural ways like we had never seen before. I was ministering in Bakersfield, California, and I was leading worship. And in the middle of the worship, I began to just, God put this on my heart, that God was healing uh, learning disabilities. And so I began to sing about it. God, you're healing. However the song was. And we released it. I didn't know this, but two, two weeks ago, someone came up to me in one of our meetings. And he said, hey, can I talk to you? Or the mom came. And she said, you remember in Bakersfield last year when you were, when you were releasing healing for, for learning disability? I said, yeah, I remember that. Because I don't know. I release words sometimes, and I don't know what happens on the other side because we never get to hear the stories, like, immediately. And, and so they came up and, and told. And they said, listen, my son was born with auditory dyslexia, and he's had trouble learning up until, like, his entire, up until he was about 16 years old. She said, when you release that word to my son, everything changed, and he could comprehend what was happening in class. They showed me his report code. He's got A's and B's and A's and B's and A's and B's. God set him free. That's awesome. I was in the Navajo Nation last week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're preaching in tent revivals. It's awesome. Is, is there any Navajo people here today? you anyone have Navajo blood here? I just want to see. Oh, my wife does. Come on, somebody. Yeah, and her dad, come on. But I was, I was ministering on the reservation in northeast Arizona. We're preaching in tent revivals. I'm telling you, the youth are getting touched by God. I'm seeing 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds falling under the power of the Spirit, getting baptized, activated in the gifts of the Spirit. I ministered. There was a 16-year-old girl who got the gift of healing, and I said, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do everything I do because I'm not going to be here all the time, but you are, and so I'm going to pray that you get it. And she's praying with me down the line. She people's legs are shorter than the other. She's growing legs out. She's casting demons out. She's seeing people get healed at 16 years old. Ah. And then I was there on Tuesday, like I said, and we prayed. God, God highlighted people with deaf ears. And I said, all right, if you have a deaf ear, come up here and we're, we're going to pray. God's going to heal you. Five people, one after another, immediately the ears open up. Bam, 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 bam. God was opening deaf ears. Now, some of you guys are like, who? who? Are you sure, bro? Are you making, are you, 
I don't know about this dude. <laughs> Listen, the guy, the pastor's assistant, it was one of the guys who got healed. He, he had deafness in his ear since he was a kid. He goes to work the next day, and he, and he comes back. He says, I have a testimony. I'm so excited to work because now I can actually hear my coworkers talking to me. <laughs> I'm like, good. Hopefully they ain't talking trash the whole time. Now you can hear them now. You shouldn't have told them you were, he- you were healed so you can like, what, what you really saying about me? <laughs> I'm telling you, God is doing supernatural things, and he wants to use you to do it. He wants to use you to do it. We saw so many people get touched on the streets in the Navajo Nation. We saw people in tent meetings getting healed. I'm telling you, there were so many different things I could go on and on. Last time I was here on Seek Night in February, I preached a little bit, actually, about Samson as well. And I, and I said, we got we to gotta cast down our idols. If drinking alcohol is an idol, we got to cast it down. A woman messaged me on, on, on Facebook, and she said, after you ministered, I got completely set free from alcohol, from smoking cigars, and I got set free from a 30-year battle with bulimia. Somebody should give Jesus a really big praise. That happened right here in February. Why am I telling you this so that way you think Andrew's cool? Forget all that. I could care less. Throw my title away. I could care less who anybody, if anybody knows who I am or not. I could care less. I just know Jesus wants to touch people's lives, and he wants to use his people to do it, to do feats of strength. We may not be destroying Philistines, but I like to destroy sickness and disease. I like to destroy fear and anxiety. I like to destroy guilt and condemnation. Come on, somebody. I like to destroy unforgiveness and bitterness. When I preach truth, it sets people free. And I don't care if people know who I am or not. I just want Jesus to get the reward of his sufferings. Ah. I feel his heart for people. When, 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 when Pastor was sharing about an 80-year-old woman gave her life to Jesus two weeks ago, I was like, man, I got to hold myself together. I'm going to cry. That's beautiful. That's amazing. I, I did a... Can I keep telling you some stories? I did a, uh, I did a funeral for my, my, one of my grandmothers who passed away. I did a funeral for her in January, and I preached at it. And when we went to go to the, to the, to the memorial service, I grabbed my wife's hand. I said, Lord, look, like God told me, we need to pray for souls. And I grabbed my wife's hand. Just, oh, man. And I grabbed, I saw these people. God sh- I went into a vision, and God showed me this vision. People on this really long cliff, and they're falling off the cliff, and they're dying. And then I was on the end, and I was grabbing him and pulling him up, grabbing him and pulling him up. And God said to me that when you go to this funeral, you're going to preach the gospel, and that's what you're going to do to people's lives. You're going to rescue them from the pit of hell. I was, we- I was a weeping mess because I realized the reality, the reality of heaven and the reality of hell. I know it's not common preaching nowadays, but it's real. And I was weeping because I saw people falling. But I was able to grab them and pull them up by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. I didn't give them self-help. I didn't give them an argument. I preached Jesus to them. And when we shared memories, it was good. It was awesome. And then I preached to them the gospel. I shared John 3.16, the most amazing verse in the Bible. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I said, listen, death is an enemy. Sickness is an enemy. But God will use even our own enemies to bring about good for us. For the believer, death is a temporary transition into everlasting life. For the unbeliever, it's a really, really, really bad thing. 
But while you still have breath, you have a chance to say yes. I preached the gospel and 15 people gave their lives to Jesus at the end of the memorial service. I'm talking to you about doing feats of strength. Samson did some amazing things because the spirit of God came upon him. Watch this. I, I gave you a lot of these wild miracle testimonies, but what about this? What about living out forgiveness? We need Holy Spirit to do that. Peter went to Jesus one day. He said, Jesus, how many times I got to forgive my brother? Seven times? And he thought he was bad. He said, I can forgive up to seven, Lord. That's a lot. And Jesus said, not seven, 70 times seven. We're talking about miracles, signs, and wonders, but let's get really practical. Is there people in your life that you hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards? Because that's a supernatural feat when you forgive them. It's getting quiet up in here now. Being present as a father or a mother. Loving your kids. That's supernatural work right there. And God wants to empower you by his spirit to touch your family. Some people get critical of people going to missions because you're just going over there and what about here? I do it everywhere I go. From my neighborhood to the nations. My six-year-old son brought one of his friends over to our house. They preached the gospel and a six-year-old accepted Jesus in my living room. Everywhere we go, love people. Forgive those who hurt you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And it's a prison. But the key of forgiveness is supernatural. When God forgives us, he gives us power to give that away. Now here's what I found looking at Samson's life. He had a lot of strength on the outside, but he was lacking strength on the inside. How many know Samson was what was called a Nazarite? And so the second point of this message is this. We need to have strength on the inside. Samson was, was what was called a Nazarite. And a Nazarite was someone who was consecrated to God. Now, I want to show you this verse out of Judges 13, verse... I'm going to actually just jump to verse 7. Judges 13, 7. The angel of the Lord uh, had this encounter with his mom, and his mom began to talk about it. She said, And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. The Nazarite vow basically meant at least these three things. You're not to have alcohol, you're not to let any razor touch your head, and you're not to go any near dead body. How many know homeboy broke all of those rules? <laughs> Samson ripped the line in half, and then a bees make hunt, made, made like a beehive, and he's scooping honey out, just, just walking down. I'm like, dude, you're not supposed to touch dead things. Strike one. And then he had a party when he married a Philistine woman, which they probably drank wine at the feast. Strike two. And then when Delilah was getting all lusty on him, she, she, she's like, don't you really love me? All this pestering and temptation and all this stuff. He finally gave up his secret. And what did she do? She cut his hair off. Strike three. And watch this. When his compromise was complete, his strength was sapped. When his compromise was complete, his strength was sapped. What am I saying? We don't, only, we don't only just need feats on the outside. We need inner strength to be able to stand in this day and age. We need strength of spirit. You're probably familiar with the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, 
Self-control. Did I miss one? Faithfulness. I missed one. Anyway, you guys got it. You know, you know the Bible better than the preacher today. Come on, somebody. The last one was self-control. The Passion Translations translates it strength of spirit. That's inner strength. That's not like, now, I know you guys are looking at me going like, man, this guy is like a modern-day Samson. Look how buff he is and how strong and all that. I know you probably thought that. The definition of my name, Andrew, means manly warrior. I know I didn't need to tell you that. That was already in there just for clarity's sake. We're not talking, like, these guns, I had to check them at the door. You know what I'm saying? Forget the California gun laws. I'm checking these babies everywhere I go. Come on. <laughs> Woo! Okay, forget that. All right. I had to have a dad joke in there somewhere. I'm not talking about outside strength. I'm talking about strength on the inside. I want you to see this verse, Ephesians 3.16. We said John 3.16. Here's Ephesians 3.16. It says that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, look at this, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. God's saying, listen, you don't, it doesn't matter if you got strength on the outside or not. What you really need is strength on the inside because what strength on the inside is gonna do, it's gonna help you stand against adversity. Strength on the inside allows you to stand when everyone else is compromising and falling. Your boy Samson had a problem with women. At least three times in the scripture, he married a Philistine, wasn't supposed to do that because you got to keep it in the family and the Israelites. He's, and then he went to a house of a prostitute in the city called Gaza, er, wrong. And then he got with homegirl Delilah, bad choice again. And every single time he had, a, he had a problem with women, he had strength on the outside, but he was weak on the inside. He needed that spirit of God not to just come upon him, but to transform him from the inside. That's something me and you get to have in the new covenant. Look at this, gifting, gifting is God's power flowing through you, but character is God's nature being formed in you. We need both gifting and character. I'm gonna say it again. Gifting is God's power flowing through you. Character is God's nature being formed in you. And listen to this, your strength is always proved by resistance. You don't know what's in you until something presses you. Strength is proven by resistance. This is, the, this is the plan of the enemy. The enemy wants to sap your strength so he can make you fall to Delilah. He want, you know, the name Delilah, by definition, means feeble because that's what the devil wants to do to each one of us. He wants to give us, he wants to make us feeble and sap us of our strength so we can't stand in righteousness and truth. There is confusion in the world today like no other time in history. People don't know who they are. They're letting eight-year-olds choose who they want to be. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. The morality is dropping drastically. And the only way you're going to stand is if you have strength in your spirit. It comes from the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to strengthen us against compromise. The devil's going to come with accusations. The devil's going to come with temptation. The devil's going to come with deception. He's going to come with whatever he can do to sap the strength out of you so when it comes time to stand for truth and righteousness, you don't have any strength to stand. If we're honest, many of us are tired because the trials of life have sapped our strength from us. If we're honest, we're like, man, I don't even have enough strength to pray. It's good that I even got here. Some of the dads are up on the golf course right now. They didn't have strength to come. <laughs> I'm playing. 
I'm messing with y'all. But if we're honest, it's hard to pray sometimes because we don't feel any strength. But the Spirit of God wants to fill you with supernatural strength. So you can stand against the craziness that's going on in the world today. God's word, foundation. The last thing I want to say is this. All of our strength comes from the consecration of our life. Judges 16, verses 16 through 17, this is the story of when Samson compromised with Delilah. It says, and it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Some of y'all feel that. That he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. True spiritual strength comes from the consecration of a life. And when I say consecration, it's a fancy way to say your whole heart is surrendered to Jesus. I didn't say your whole heart is perfect and, and doing perfect in every single area of your life. Didn't say that. I said your whole life is surrendered. There's a big difference. Perfection has to do with striving and trying in your own strength to be perfect before God. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. But surrender means, God, I don't have it all together, but if you would strengthen me, I can move forward. And if we're honest today, we need God to do some supernatural strengthening in our lives. How is that going to happen? Yield completely, surrender completely, say, God, I can't, but you can. I need you to fill me with strength today. I said this when I was here on Seek Night. I said, man, I pray in tongues, I pray in the Spirit more than I pray in English nowadays. Why? Because I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what to pray for. But when I get that gift of tongues and I start speaking in other languages, and God can give it to you for free today, by the way, at the altar, you do that. Bible says when you speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. I pray like this all the time. I know that I have no power to cast devils out. I have no power to see deaf ears open, but I see it happen all the time. Why? Because my spirit is strengthened. I have the spirit of God. I know in my own strength, there is crazy temptations and crazy stuff going on in the world, but I got Jesus living on the inside and I pull on him at every given moment of my life so that I can not only stand for truth, but also release the power and love of Jesus everywhere I go. We need to be strengthened, and it comes through yielding your life. As we land, I want to say this. What is at stake, especially to the dads? What's at stake? What's at stake when we, when we yield ourselves to the strength or we choose not to? What's at stake is the next generation. This is what John Wesley said. He said, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. If you as a father don't take a stand for righteousness, you gave permission to your kids following to compromise and live in sin. That's what's at stake. And I'm at a really good church today with some really good dads, and I believe you got that burning desire in your heart to see your kids excel further than you. That's my heart. I want my kids to do even greater works. They just wave their hand. 
and 50 deaf ears open, that would be pretty awesome. What's at stake? The next generation. And I would add something to that. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. I'll say it like this. What one generation tolerates, the next generation thinks is normal. And what's weird about it is the world is trying to define normal again. They can't even define what a woman is. And if we tolerate it, the next generation will be confused as all get out because nobody stood the ground of truth to hold the standard and hold the line. This is true. That takes strength of spirit. We need truth. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And let me give a word to some of those dealing with confusion. Not every thought that you think comes from you. And just because you think it does not mean you are it. We all have crazy thoughts. It doesn't mean you have to let them define you. God had a whole bunch of thoughts and he wrote them in a book so we would know what he thinks about us and how he feels about us. And he sent his son Jesus so you wouldn't have to be bound by confusion. If you're in this room today and you need to give your heart to Jesus, now's the time. The Bible says, now is the time of salvation. If you're here today and you don't know if you die, you go to heaven, you gotta give your life to Jesus. I don't want you falling off the cliff into the pit. I'm here to reach my hand out and pull you up today. That's why I'm here today. If you're here and you need to accept Jesus, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Let's just bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone in the room today. I thank you that you got a, a plan and a purpose. You got divine appointments for everyone here. Holy Spirit, would you continue to move upon those hearts, especially the ones who need to say yes to you in salvation. If you're here today and you need to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna count to three. If you've never asked him to forgive your sins or if you've walked away from the Lord and you need to give your life back to him, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in a moment and make a commitment to Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna count to three and on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Come on, just lift your hand all over this place. I see you back there. There's one here, there's two here, there's three here. Thank you, Jesus. Four, five, I think there was a six over in this overflow room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's amazing. I see you back seven and eight in the back section. Thank you, Jesus. Can we give a hand to those who said yes? Let's all pray together. This is a declaration of faith. And we're going to pray this all over the room. If you raise your hand or if you didn't, let's pray this together as a declaration of our faith in the Lord Jesus. Just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive my sins. I believe you died on the cross to forgive me, to give me a brand new start, and to put me in relationship with you. This day, I turn from sin and I turn to you. I make you my Lord.
and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Now just receive right there. Lord, we thank you for your fresh infilling. And we thank you that you touch your people. I need to just pray for one more group of people. If you're a dad here, I want you to stand. We, I want to I wanna pray for you guys. Just come on, just stand together real quick. All the dads. And if you're around the dads, you just got inducted into the prayer team. I want you to put your hand on the dad next to you. And I want you to pray a 30-second prayer, and then I'm going to come on top, and I'm going to pray that prayer. What am I praying for? We're asking God, Ephesians 3.16, that God would strengthen them with might by his spirit in their inner man. Come on. I want you to lift your voice. Just take 30, 40 seconds and just pray for them right now. Come on, just lift your voice and then I'll come here and I'll pray in just a second. Some of the dads here today haven't even had anyone pray for them for a long time. Instead of bashing them, why don't we pray for them? Dads get a lot of bad reps sometimes on Father's Day. But I'm telling you, we got some good dads in the room today that are getting filled with strength from heaven. Father, we just released Ephesians 3.16 over them today. We just declare that you would strengthen them with might, the might of God, by your spirit in their inner man. Father, give them strength to stand for truth. Give them strength to stand for righteousness. Give them strength, God, to do supernatural feats, to forgive those who've hurt them, to lead by example in their households, to love those who have cursed them, to love those who have done harm to them. God, to bless those who have persecuted them. Father, give them strength to stand. God, use them mightily. God, to be present with their wives, to be present with their kids. Father, strengthen them. We can't do it unless you strengthen us. So God, fill the dads with supernatural strength. And God, give them something from heaven that they couldn't get anywhere else. The love of the Father. We pray, release, fill them with your love. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, someone give God praise. We're going to worship in just a second. We're going to worship in just a second. I'm going to be at the book table. Listen, I, I'm just telling you this. If there's deafness in your ears, God wants to touch you. I'm going to be hanging out the, at the table back there. Come and meet with me. Get, you can get books if you want. God bless you. Come on, one more time. Give God praise and let's worship him.